Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Bartholomew Cubbins. And I'm, I didn't know we were doing this bit. Nope, this is the bit now. You're in it. Reginald McGillicuddy XIV. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, it's another week. It's February. Mm -hmm. The entire country is sheathed and a prophylactic of ice so we don't get Mexico pregnant. Whoa, <laughs> that went that went a direction. Yeah, that's what's happening, Michael. Huh. Get with it. Have you seen Texas? Not getting anybody pregnant right now. I mean, presumably some people are going to have to cuddle for warmth. Mm. I don't even want to make jokes about this. This is big bad. Like, I am really un- Listen, unhappy. There's not much to say. I actually do want to do a brief sort of like post-it on the sort of Texas is not doing well card Uh uh-huh on the governor blaming the green new deal and wind power for Texas's sort of energy problems uh like 80 ish percent of Texas's energy comes from fossil fuel and wind is currently overperforming yeah yeah it's your own state man you're blaming the Democrats in a state you run I'm so tired (laughs) All right, so that's your post-it. Since I guess we're getting into this. Yeah. This was not on the menu, but... <laughs> I just... It's driving me insane. <laughs> you can't blame uh, the Green New Deal in Texas. <laughs> the Green New Deal doesn't even exist. It's not even real for America, <laughs> but it's certainly not real for oil and gas Texas. Blaming those solar unicorns. I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it back on the libs, though, and, oh, and put it back on yes. all of the libs trying to like be like... Oh, how you feel about your your infrastructure right. in these red states yeah. now? And it's like, motherfucker, I live in one of the bluest states in <laughs> yeah. the goddamn union. So true. I would say we spontaneously combust every five minutes, but it's not spontaneous. PG&E starts half the fires. It's it's not good, folks. It's not great. So, yeah, just any sort of, like, liberal crowing, like, ha-ha, you get what you deserve. First of all, right. fuck no, you. Agree with that. Yeah, it, who gets hurt in this situation? Right. Who is struggling to stay warm right now? People in bad housing situations, right. people lower income people, like the people that are going to struggle and die yeah. in this situation are not the people that you think they are. No, it's mainly poor whites and Hispanics in Texas. And and even if you think that because people vote bad, that means they deserve to suffer and die oh, yeah. due to a global climate catastrophe that is perpetrated by all everyone, mm. all of the yeah. Republicans and Democrats and like... That is that is such a like I said this on Twitter, but like it is such a like Patterson mm-hmm. uh, blaming hurricanes on the gays energy. Like yeah. it has the same no, like well psychotic fundamentalism attached to it. I just got no fucking time for no, it. It's it's my least favorite tr- thing that Democrats do. A bad person might benefit from government programs. Hey, man, as I have said on this podcast, I think the only way we move forward as a country is to give the bad people some programs. Give me a bad person some programs. <laughs> I know. I the- need assholes to get Medicare for all because I'm an asshole that needs <laughs> Medicare for all. You live long enough to become the asshole. I know this necessarily wasn't our plan to lead in the pod, but Michael, I'm coming in hot today. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. What else are we talking about? So... We're gonna we're gonna do a little confession segment Ooh, here on the podcast. That's exciting. Who's the priest and who's the little boy? I think in this situation we're both the priests. Okay, it's, <laughs> I prefer situations where neither of us are a little boy. That's true. Uh, we have a confession. Okay, My Zachary God. and I have harbored an allegiance, a membership in an exclusive club, a secret mm-hmm. society, right. if you will, uh, that we've been keeping from our listeners i mean we keep so little from them i know this one genuinely it was one for us but i am here (laughs) today to come clean and announce that both zachary and i are in fact members of bachelor nation 
Here it is. <laughs> you know, the truth is, the first time I got the rose uh-huh, uh-huh. was seasons ago. I remember watching, uh, fuck, what was his name? Okay, here's the thing about Bachelors. You judge by the seasons. It was Wait, the, guy, the TV show or? The people. The people <laughs> the group people. of Bachelors. The men are always the least interesting part of the Bachelor season. Yes. You always tend to remember Bachelorettes. But I remember Bachelor seasons by the women of competing for him. Mm-hmm. They are yes. such stale, potatoy puds. The bachelors, usually. yes. Uh, occasionally, uh, black Republican potato puds. Listen, um, listen. Potatoes come in different colors. That's so, a fact. Zach, you've been a bachelor. Yeah, I started watching years ago when uh-huh. I was working on another project as an excuse, and I just sort of fell in love with the show. I think it's fascinating. Bachelor in Paradise is the best Bachelor. That's objectively true, and I look forward to this summer us experiencing it together. Yeah, because I am coming at this from a slightly different angle. That's right. I have only recently been seduced to The Bachelor. Interesting. Uh, my my partner started watching as a way to like spend time with her sister. Yeah. One of the joys of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. That's right. Has been us discovering that stupid reality TV oh, can be really okay. fun. I watched more reality TV last year than I ever had. I before. can genuinely say we were never reality TV no, people. No, never I, did. It wasn't even like a judgment thing. We just didn't engage in it. And then the circle happened, and we were like, oh. We talked about the circle, like, constantly in this <laughs> I mean, house. There was, there was a lot. And then me and my partner went and watched the Circle France and the Circle UK and the Circle Brazil. Uh, Brazil got crazy. Anyways. So my partner starts watching The Bachelor, and I make it, like, two episodes of just doing my own thing before uh-huh. I happen to walk in the room and some <laughs> shit is going down. And I didn't stop watching from then on. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I cannot believe he didn't give MJ a rose. God damn it. But why didn't he give MJ the rose, right? Like, it says something about him. Uh, Because he's a stupid, dumb asshole. He's such a dumb bitch. Anyways. (laughs) So we bring this confession to you today. Not not because we just wanted to talk about our theories about who will get the final rose. Although, clearly, that is going to be a part of this. But because there finally was a moment in the Bachelorverse. Okay. So intense and crazy and so, frankly, right-wing reactionary that we had to, to come clean just so we could bring it to the pod. And I am talking, of course... <laughs> it forced us to disrobe for the pod. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, listen. I am talking, of course, about Chris Harrison... I think the only host The Bachelor has yeah, ever had. No, he's the inaugural. I have watched a lot of The Bachelor <laughs> at this point. I have gone back and watched certain seasons from the past. That is fascinating if yeah. we're talking about problematic. Oh, That's man. more of a gender than a race issue. <laughs> but he's always been the host. And here's the thing. Let me add before we get into this. Yeah. Say, Chris Harrison's fucking beloved. He's the face. He's the face of the show. And I know a lot of members of Bachelor Nation. I have friendships literally built on The Bachelor. And they're some (laughs) of the strongest relationships I have. Yeah, the closest friendships you've ever had. Frankly, I just started watching so Zach would talk to me again. (laughs) And we'll get there a few seasons deep. (laughs) Yeah, one day I'll earn it. (laughs) But... But Chris is beloved. He's considered a steady hand, a likable guy, just a real mensch. And that's where this takes a turn, unfortunately. Such a turn. And it w- it's even more interesting for me coming in as like mm. uh, a relative virgin to the mm. process, not unlike certain contestants. Yeah. Don't worry. You will make it all the way to the... Uh, <laughs> so well, What do they call those rooms? The fantasy suite. Yeah, you'll make it all the way to the fantasy suite. God damn, did I just own you on bachelor you terminology? Did. You did. Oh, buddy, you are not prepared. I know. I'm a little, I'm a little soft this season. Okay, okay. So, one of the Bachelorettes did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel Kirkinell. Uh, Rachel Kirkinell's 
uh, we're not going to focus too much on it because she did uh, some stupid racist shit. She did some dumb shit. It, don't do the shit. Don't do the shit. It's stupid racist shit. It's not that interesting. It, yeah, exactly. Here's the like, thing. She's a white girl. And I'm not saying every single white girl I know does this level of racist shit. But... Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she she had liked some photos from friends taken in front of Confederate flags. Her yep. post was her feed was full of Blue Lives Matter shit. Uh, the big one was she attended an antebellum ball that was hosted mm-hmm. on a plantation yeah. in 2018. It's not a good look. It's a bad look. <laughs> uh, don't do that shit. That shit is racist. Uh, Chris, on the other hand, had a different perspective. <laughs> and he hopped into a 13-minute... They called it an interview. I'm going to go with diatribe. Yeah. On extra with one of the previous bachelorettes. Who was black. Yes. <laughs> Who was, I think, the first black yes. bachelorette. And his, like, part of her thing was mm-hmm. bringing these racial issues more to the forefront of right. Bachelor Nation. I don't know too much about her. I did watch a podcast that she does with, like, a leftist person mm-hmm. that was, like, pretty interesting. And yeah, she's, as far as I know, she's pretty okay as much as anybody from The Bachelor can be. Anyways, let's get to Chris, shall we? Oh, man. Chris starts off... His screed. His his manifesto. <laughs> his men's rights march. <laughs> his men's rights activism. By being like, we need grace and understanding and a little compassion. Okay, Chris, where are we going, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Chris, this is always the thing with these motherfuckers. The second someone on their team screws up, it's always unity, unity. understanding, unity. compassion. There it is. Uh, he goes, I have seen some stuff online. You know, this judge, jury, and executioner stuff. To my knowledge, no one has executed <laughs> Rachel Kirkinell for being a oh, stupid racist This idiot. is embarrassing. <laughs> I, I have a, Speaking of confessions to make. And he describes not the thing that she did, which again, this is a woman plucked from obscurity. Right. I, think, I think if we're going to talk about her, we also need to talk about the incredibly problematic way that we this show peddles dreams to people. Totally. So that people can then put them under a microscope. It's still bad. Don't do the racism. Chris says, it has been unbelieving, unbelievably alarming to watch this happen. And what he's referring to is not her behavior, but the reaction of these damn social <laughs> Media's coming after this yeah. poor girl, and he goes. He says, like, until I hear, ha- hear this woman have a chance to speak, I'm mm-hmm. just going to reserve judgment. I'm going to offer a little grace and understanding. Uh, it had been six weeks since these <laughs> allegations had come out. She posted her response the day this interview went live, <laughs> which is just so good. Nice. Okay, he goes. I saw her at a, pic- a-, a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago, and boom, she's in this book now. Like she's in this group, and I'm like. Really? <laughs> what book? What are you talking about? What book, dude? dog? Uh, one, it was not five years ago. It was in 2018. <laughs> he does this a lot. There's uh, no book? Yeah. Anyways, uh, the host, Rachel, says, hey, this is not a good look. And he goes, hey, you're absolutely right. In 2021, this is not a good look. You're right. In 2021, we all know better. <laughs> that was not the case in the before times, the days of yesteryear, all the way back in 2018. <laughs> he then goes on to say 50 million people went to antebellum parties in 2018. This is an actual claim he makes. <laughs> like 50 one out of six Americans. Americans. One out of six Americans. Listen, I absolutely agree that one out of six Americans did far more racist shit than go yeah. to an antebellum party in 2018. The antebellum party is just one detail among... A sort of 
It's a sort of painting that yeah. is questionable. A menagerie. No. Oh, oh, there's some stars. Yeah. There's some bars. <laughs> uh, he, he said, these girls got dressed up and went to a party and had a great time. And that was his take. That like, hey, we didn't know better in 2018. Despite the fact, as it turns out, that the sorority in question had already banned these parties in 2018. <laughs> and I want to say sororities are not at the forefront of social justice. <laughs> Generally again, speaking. Again, I, I love white women. I love y'all. But I hear not, that's the fucking problem. They are, they are not the most progressive people. <laughs> By nature. And listen, neither It's just not in their genetics. They can't help it. Okay, calm it down, (laughs) Allard. Stop making us the problem. Okay, 50 million people wanted these in 2021. Uh, The sorority had already banned this, and this particular branch was hosting this as a protest. They were continuing to have the party in protest of these rules. But yeah, no, no one just understood. You know, it was a different time, different time. Uh, He yells over this black bachelorette Great now luck. uh extra speaking about porter repeatedly <laughs> and every time he's saying the same thing he's like i just don't know i don't understand how can any of us know how can we know how are we supposed to evaluate this meanwhile there's a black woman on the other side that's being like well i have some thoughts <laughs> about how we could know or oh what the God. standards are oh and as soon God. as she starts talking it's just like there's just no way of knowing the fucking standards <laughs> <laughs> it's just I have watched a lot of Chris Harrison for <laughs> so years now, and it's like, Chris, do baby, what is this mood? It is it is a whole ass mood. And up and like, okay, we have to keep going because it continues to yep. go places. He says, I look at Hannah and what she did, and I am not the woke police, although there are plenty of people who will be that right now. Oh, okay. Woke is a term that Chris uses, not unlike the way Hannah used the <laughs> N-word on Instagram Live, which is the incident he's referencing where a former Bachelorette yeah. contestant... I'm sure Hannah loved that being brought up right now. <laughs> dropped, dropped some N-bombs, but for Chris, that's not an issue of some like gross-ass racist shit. That's an issue of people getting all worked up about it. <laughs> the woke police, if you will. As it turns out, Chris... Chris has some thoughts on wokeness. Yeah. He, he thinks he thinks people are trying to be too woke. Uh, he, he thinks the woke police are saying white people <laughs> shouldn't on Instagram say the N-word. And then, by the way, Hannah has been forgiven. It just was forgotten about. Dude, what are you talking yeah. about? The standards are so low. I'm Hannah, not saying she should have been. I'm saying no one cared anymore. Yeah, the only thing that any of these people have actually had to endure is some people on the internet being mad about And them. then you have to apologize. And it doesn't even have to be sincere. Uh, then it makes a jump. Oh boy. And he brings up, he goes, you know, I, I don't know. How do we handle this? What do we do? Do we tear these buildings to the ground into the dirt? You know, when what? you see San Francisco, fuck, direct dude? quote, San Francisco erasing Lincoln and erasing Washington because of what they stand for. Is that right? I don't know. But when I see what they are doing to this poor girl. That took a real turn. And a this whole ass moment. turn. As somebody who is still, you know, I, I, me and Chris Harrison's relationship is in the early stages. Yes. Yes. You know, there's a lot of roses going out. I don't know if I'm going to make it to week six. I don't know if me and Chris are ever going to get a one-on-one. We're still getting to know each other. <laughs> I don't know a, if it's a love connection. Let yet. alone a hometown. I'm going to say, this is not a great look. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but as someone that was just getting to know yep. this this brand and this institution, this is the moment like, when this guy went from being, in my mind, an entitled white asshole who doesn't know anything but is yelling loudly about it to like, oh, no. You are not just that. You are actually reactionary. Like, your politics are actually reactionary. This was a conversation about people doing racist shit 
on Instagram, and now you were talking about statues of Lincoln and Washington in San Francisco. And it's like, okay, I know where these talking points come from. Yeah. This is some Fox News shit. This is some Hannity shit. This is this is increasingly some like Charlie Kirk shit. This is the alt-right loves talking about defending, killing people to protect statues. It's a little bit more telling on your ass than you want it to be. Yeah. This you don't have you didn't have to admit that you're the psycho guy. <laughs> no, you could have just kept your mouth you shut. You could have just my guy. All all you had to do was nod, let the black woman speak, yeah. tell her peace, and just nod along and be like, you know what, this is a real issue. We are looking into it. We are gonna do better. All you had to say, bro. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's not actually. I'm not saying that's enough, but that's all he needed to say. That's all he had to do to get out of this scot free to escape (laughs) consequences for his never be an issue. And it makes The Bachelor, which has historically been a very white franchise and had some sort of issues when it comes to things like representation, etc. It was a big deal that this season was the was the first black Bachelor, and that they hired a diversity. That's like, right. Uh, consultant. Yeah. All you and, and and you were just really shining the making the past look a little bit more cringe than you had to. Yep. It, you are showing a lot more of your hand than you realize. Yes. And and we'll get to how much he did not realize the situation. <laughs> okay. He says it for him again. Reasonable people aren't on social media. Uh, you know, there's never going to be a moment where she Rachel does enough for people to say it's okay. We're going to give her a pass. Hannah she's, said the N word and people don't care. What the fuck are you talking about? One of my favorite quotes. It does not matter what Rachel says or does. <laughs> well. <laughs> Okay, then. I mean... Well, then I guess there's nothing to talk about. I think it might have mattered a little bit. That's kind of why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) He then references... uh, He says that, like, people are going after her talking about things she did in grade school. Which, again, is just this, like... No. I really want to understand Chris Harrison's perception of time. (laughs) Because it seems wild. This is, like, like some melting clock shit. Like, he's he's going from 2018 is the before time before Americans understood racism, which might be true for Chris Harrison, (laughs) Uh, to, like, a thing that she did three years ago is now things that she did in grade school. It's just, it's this always, it's this obfuscation. It's turning the people that are doing bad things, who, again, Chris Harrison is much more a villain than this idiot from Louisiana or whatever. Um, But, like, it's always the obfuscation. It's always the victimhood. There's always this tinge of, like, the real problem is the people that are mentioning a problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then his final line, it's not like any group has the high ground on this or has it figured out. To a black woman talking to him about the issues with this behavior saying that no one understands we just we're all living in a gray box of fog what is meaning and like it is what's the definition of is baby shadows on the wall of the cave is what chris harrison has I to say i love the idea about, of telling a black woman that we don't know anything about racism no group no one can tell no group at all it is an incredibly uh your own ignorance uh, being forced back on a person yep. who is trying to educate you, and again, this is an extra interview. Let's not let's not yeah. be precious about what the true purpose of this was, but it's still truly staggering. But that's even more interesting. Yes. An extra interview. You know what extra interview is there to do? It is to wash. Mm-hmm. It is with a black woman. That extra interview is just there to make it okay. It is there to, like, where you take a little bit of a talking to in the most mild sense of the word, mm-hmm. the you being Chris Harrison, 
And then you get to go back doing the same shit for the rest of your life, bro. That was all this How did you fuck this up? He <laughs> fucked it up so bad. And it's one of the most telling details. Because, you know, you, you do all these shots remote yeah. now. They cut to his house. And he has an ad for a ma- male wedding band company prominently featured sort of right <laughs> behind him on the mantle and like i don't know anything about this company i i didn't right. even look it up but like it's just so you have to imagine that whoever runs that company saw that and we're like god fucking damn it chris, shut <laughs> your fucking mouth shut your stupid mouth chris chris you were ruining this for us like the having yep. your product placed next to this insane white man <laughs> rant uh, as a person who has done more than any other member of The Bachelor to like bring these issues to light, yep. get shouted down, truly staggering. I just genuinely one of the most most unforced errors well, of all time. That's what we keep coming back to. Is like this was so easy. Yeah. You could have just listened, said the right things, and not even had to believe them. And I'm not saying that on a no, moral no, we're level. No, saying enough. that's okay. I'm saying that's all you had to do. All that all that was required of you was it's to nod. It's an nod. extra interview, bro. This isn't Frost Nixon. All you had to do was <laughs> nod, be nice, say you're looking into it. How did you decide to use this moment for your racism hour? I mean, it really speaks to <laughs> conservative brainworms yeah. that like they can't encounter any issue or yep. brook any even the mildest form of rebuke that wasn't even directed at him. He wasn't even in trouble. That's what's so funny. He got himself in trouble when he wasn't in trouble. (laughs) He wasn't the story. And like, (laughs) there's much more interesting conversation you could be having about like, hey, why are we, you know, people that make The Bachelor, why are you either doing and not caring or not doing these very basic levels of research that take people on the internet five minutes to do to be like, whoa, maybe we shouldn't bring in the person doing racisms to this show about dating a black guy. Although, you know, in the end, Matt is a black Republican, so this might work out fine for him. (laughs) 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 Fucking psychotic shit. And, And so now... Now, all I, you know, let's let's hear from our fellow leftist members of Bachelor Nation. Uh, yeah, please. Reach out with your thoughts. I'm a baby. I'm still getting getting to know this franchise. Uh, so far, it has been a heck of a ride. Excited for you. So, we've got some stuff to get into. We're going to be talking about Ravi Zacharias again today because uh, his uh, ministry, heavy quotation marks, ministry, <laughs> released their official report. 12 pages chronicling. A lot of the bad things he did and many things that they didn't bother investigating. Um, Oh, cool. So that'll be fun. And we're going to look at that. We're going to talk a little bit about the new information that did come to light in this. But we're mostly what we're going to be talking about is the evangelical response to it. Right. But first, Zach, there is, in fact, some breaking news today. It's the breaking news sticker. That was great. Yeah. We're going to clip that so we can do that for all future breaking news segments. Because it was perfect. Listen, it's been a hard year. It's been a hard year at the end of a hard year. Uh, a lot of people are struggling right now. Uh, our world is alternately uh, alternating between seasons of ice and fire in ways that uh, leave me feeling a little hopeless about the future of our uh, great, you know, little blue ball. But occasionally, good things happen. And we have to hold on to good things when they happen. And I am talking, of course, about the fact that we got not one, but two deaths today. Oh, no. Michael. Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> and Carmen. Oh, no, not Carmen. Oh, yes, Carmen. <laughs> and, li- like, Bitter, just- bittersweet victory. <laughs> Listen, the man made an entire career out of pretending to fight demons. I hope he learned a thing or two. <laughs> he's he's going to have a chance to put that into practice now. Uh, so we're just, we did not have time. This literally no. broke this morning to do what I think we should do, which is do a deep dive on. And Carmen. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Carmen is a very interesting figure. Carmen's so fucking weird, man. Carmen, Carmen deserves uh, his own episode. Rush Limbaugh deserves his own series. There's a lot to say about that man. I grew up listening to Rush. Oh, yeah. So let's start there, man. Yeah. Uh, so I remember riding in the car with my parents, mm-hmm. the windows down, because this is true. We could never afford a car with air conditioning. Aww. And sweating my ass off in some sort of hellhole we were living in. And Rush Limbaugh just shrieking about something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was real small, the Clintons. Uh, the way they talked about feminism, feminazis, is yeah. still like in my head and rattles Etched around. Somewhere in there, yeah. As like just an incredible, once you learn what feminism and Nazism is, an incredible one, too. Yes. They are not the same, turns out. I don't, I just learned Had to go to college a couple to weeks learn ago. That. But <laughs> isn't that wild? Uh, the way they spoke about like Hillary. And the Clintons and Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. Uh, nobody is good on that, but boy, howdy. Uh, if you want to make Hillary seem like likable and human, listen to some right wing radio from the 90s. They did everything that there, there was nothing they didn't say about that woman. Oh, absolutely. And just like, I remember being a poor person and having it drilled into my brain that the government giving you things would make your life worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was ultimately always. The thesis of every single thing he said. Also, drug users are bad, and he was an addict. And I know that that's a cheap point, but fuck you, Rush Limbaugh. No, yeah, fuck it, you, Rush Limbaugh. I ha- I have tons of sympathy for the epidemic of of drug addiction that totally. our, our our system has created. Rush Limbaugh deserves none of that. <laughs> he gets he gets none of that. Um, okay, yeah. I also grew up having Rush Limbaugh and Dr. Laura on. In all of our car rides, oh constantly. nice, Doctor Laura, fuck yeah, constantly. Uh, she's 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 cool. This is telling on myself. Uh, so I had a brief stint as a like twelve year old where I got really into uh, making necklaces at a local bead shop. Oh, fuck yeah, this is the good <laughs> this is the good shit. And I would act, I got so into it that I had my own little bead board where I could lay out my necklace mm-hmm. designs and I would pick the things out from the different beads and right. I would I would make the necklaces and chat with this couple from California that had moved to North Carolina. As it turns out, they were also really into Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> uh, and so you would be beating a necklace in this little little shop in, in uh, small town South, which is weird. That's just a weird thing for a 12-year-old <laughs> to do. Uh, not, it's not weird in a gendered way. I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to say that. It's just fucking weird. No, no, it has nothing to do with gender. It's just funny. Uh, it's and I would like, I would like... I started making old lady bracelets and selling them on consignment in the store. That's how deep I was. Oh, yes. Uh, Hell yeah. I'm pretty sure that the people that ran the store bought all my bracelets just to encourage me. That's how how Michael paid to go to college, actually. (laughs) True story. But he would listen to Rush Limbaugh and he would rant. So, and and, Mm -hmm. like, these are the two things I remember because uh, I agree. I was in the car growing up. Hillary Clinton is evil, uh, blah, blah, the Clintons. Rush was just a huge part Mm -hmm. of like different swaths of my childhood. Like, I can still remember his like, creepy weird like wheeze chortle that he would do this is like something between a like mouse dying and a bark that like went for humor for him uh but you know he was just always on and genuinely it was one of the earliest like oh i am living in the matrix moment right was realizing that this guy that had soundtracked solidly Mm. the majority of my time in a car as a child uh was an evil asshole Right, and yeah. it was like after, after, uh, like later on when it was sort of the lead up to uh, invading Afghanistan, and like you know this like anti-Muslim sentiment was coming yeah. out, and that was you know we talked about this before. That was one yeah. of the first moments that I 
sort of started waking up but like just hearing the way he like called for like these bombings and how how like vitriolic it was yeah. and just being like wait a second has this guy been a huge douchebag for my entire childhood? <laughs> is, is he the baddie? What does that say if yeah. everyone I grew up around, including members of my family, listened to this for my entire childhood? It's it's not a great question. It's not a great question. Well, it, it's a no, great it's a, question. It's not a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think it, it's hard. It's hard for us millennials, even much less the godless Zoomers, yeah. to understand how influential Rush Limbaugh was. He was huge, tens of fucking millions yeah. of listeners, and like, and he never really went away. Like he he went he went to XM or whatever, but like his his listenership stayed in millions. Um, I think I think over ten million, right? I I, I think so. And yeah. like that is insane, even more than his reach. Yeah, Rush Limbaugh is one of the men that helped build the world that we live in. Oh, like, un- without a doubt, the conservative punditry that he created, the like combination mm. of like entertainment and vitriol, like all of these things that are incredibly Trumpian. You know, Limbaugh when Trump came out, yeah, was initially not a Trump guy. No, in part because Trump was cribbing his style. Uh, he got on board like and everyone Trump was else. A Democrat. Trump was a Democrat. Yeah, uh, yeah, Trump wasn't conservative enough for him. But uh, I, I really. You can't overstate how important this guy was to the political hellscape no. that we live in now. He invented Fox News. There's no other way to put it. Trump, Rush Limbaugh was there in the 90s doing this shit, building these this audience, building this network, kind of the post-William F. Buckley, fusing that with sort of like this entertainment shock and awe style. And, and, uh, the, and then and and he, and then Fox News came and did that times a thousand. It's it's really truly impressive. You can't overstate what Rich Lombard did. Totally, and and I think it's it's worth mentioning that uh, he I think started out as a grifter. There is there is like footage you can find of him talking about like oh yeah if I ever do something like this I'm going after conservatives because they they're easy to dupe. <laughs> and I, I that's awesome. I think that he started out as a grifter and I think eventually he became a true believer. And I think that's a really wild process. That like mm. um, we should I, we should do an episode. We should definitely do an episode. So briefly, because we have more to get to, let's talk about the other right wing grifter who uh, <laughs> God decided to call home to hell today. In, um, in my head, Carmen is just a guy in a hat, and there's a smoke machine going around in a <laughs> dark room. Listen, that is true. Also, <laughs> Carmen. If I can just sum up Carmen, no, Carmen please. is what would happen if. A guy in a leather duster busted into the set of Thriller and shot all of the zombies. Like that's Carmen's whole vibe. Uh, Carmen spent that an sounds career, cool though. <laughs> Carmen spent an entire career aping the aesthetics of whatever popular music was happening mm. poorly, including some incredible rap segments. Oh, and man, by incredible, rap. I mean deeply problematic. We, we, that's another episode we have to do. Uh, Carmen is such a ridiculous figure and so like theatrical that it's easy to forget like what a like full on Christo fascist he was. Uh, like the man called for Christian nationalism constantly. What he said that uh, banning prayer in schools, a thing that has never really happened. Right. Banning no. prayer in <laughs> schools was worse than the Jim Crow South. I need a moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so good to be like this fake thing. Yeah. This thing, thing that, that I made up. This thing that isn't real is worse than <laughs> racism and lynching. It reminds me a little bit when I played Legos as a kid. This is this is on topic. <laughs> uh, In the Jim Crow South. Yeah. It's okay. When I played Legos as a kid, we used to build spaceships. And our unit of measurement for, for power of these spaceships yeah. was a Death Star. So I would make a spaceship. Right. And then I would be like... 
this is this is a five Death Star spaceship. That was like that was the level, uh, and it's similarly level. Like this thing I made up is so much worse than this other totally real thing, yeah. the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, I have a question. What's the conversion rate between the Jim Crow South and the Holocaust? Right. Okay. Oh. So so. Banning parent schools is more than one Jim Crow South, but probably less than one Holocaust. So just... I don't like this joke. <laughs> I don't like it either, but here we are. <laughs> and I think Carmen genuinely also deserves his own episode because there's a lot. Carmen was around for such a long time. There's so many stages yeah. and moments. <laughs> yeah, and not unlike Picasso. <laughs> different historical periods that he went to to go slay demons, including a video of him becoming a medieval crusader. A totally normal and good thing. You know to do. how like Where he wait holds up the Bible, the Bible transforms into not even a sword, like a dirk, okay. like a, like a like something just ever so slightly bigger than a Bowie knife, which is a weird take. I feel like if you're Carmen <laughs> and your Bible should definitely be transforming into like at least a halberd. He had nothing to compensate for. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he starts slaying demons. Uh, Devil bites the dust. Incredible. Uh, western theme music video nice. where he's shooting uh you know cowboy demons yeah but in between all the demon slaying he spent a lot of time saying that people that dis disagreed with him on these various evangelical reactionary issues were in fact demons oh yeah so <laughs> that's not that cool he demonization wants to of his opponents <laughs> was quite literally dressing them up as demons and then shooting and or stabbing them it's not great it's not a great look so <laughs> What can I say except today is a good day. I am very happy. Would you say today is a good day to die hard? <laughs> Listen, I didn't even have to use my AK because cancer did it for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, cancer. <laughs> Fuck you, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, man. I look forward Redacted. to meeting him. <laughs> I look forward to meeting him in hell. Uh, there we go. There we go. Uh, Listen, it's not our fault that Tauntaun uh, died. <laughs> Michael, what else is going on? Okay, so on, so now we're going to be talking about uh, Ravi Zacharias. Uh, just general warning, there's a lot of gross shit here. Yeah. Be aware. This is a trick. If, if, if you is, feel like dipping out now, I get yeah. it. Uh, not only do I get it, I encourage it. Uh, yeah. Come back next week. Come back next week. But we need to take a moment to look not just at all of the horrible, evil, predatory uh, shit that Robbie did, but the ways in which uh, evangelical figures want to turn this into a lot of things that it's not and offer a lot of <sighs> solutions to the wrong problem. Uh, and so to jump into this, Zach, you had some thoughts. So firstly, I just want to say, you bitches should have been listening to our podcast. <laughs> There's all this like... Christianity Today, where are you at, dog? Like people were contacting us being like, oh man, and like... What the fuck, man? We did this months ago. Why the why does the lamestream media decide <laughs> now to get on it? Listen to our podcast. We're out here breaking shit. Be actually, we didn't because yeah, this was be clear, out here. We broke nothing uh, because we covered this in like October. These allegations have been around long before this podcast was a thing. <laughs> but I will say we were ahead of the curve, which is pretty sad. Which is sad. No, and I think that's actually a very a very good point that like. When we that covered were awesome. This I agree. Months, <laughs> months and months ago, this had all already been out for years, and it took a couple of idiots sitting in front of microphones, right. like 30 minutes of research to pull together all, all of the information you could ever need to know that this man was a rape demon that Carmen should have been murdering. Like, that's all that oh, you... Oh, man. Like, he, Carmen gets into heaven if he murders Ravi Zacharias in hell. Dude, anyone gets into heaven. But no, like, it's not hard. It's all there. And yeah. that's... 
a huge part of the point we're going to get to. But first, let's take a look at this report, shall we? It's 12 pages. Uh, it was contracted by yeah. Ravi Zacharias Ministries uh, from, a, you know, the one of these many private law forms law mm. firms that they always go to uh, i i will say one good thing followed by several bad things about this report one i think it does it does do a good job of just making it very clear that this was a pattern of behavior that stretched across dozens if not hundreds of women that uh, no one could read this report and come to like the conclusion that christians like to come to which is that ravi was just under attack they got access to some not all but some of his cell phones mm. they found pictures uh, over 200 pictures of multiple different women on his phone not all of which but many of which were sexually explicit uh they covered things like how he kept all his phones and computers on separate plans and his own private internet for security reasons oh yes a totally normal thing that would not be a red flag to anyone anyone michael ignore my podcast phone and my people phone uh, <laughs> yeah the, they recovered four phones and one of the by the way that's covered. a plot point in breaking bad yeah. you bitch <laughs> <laughs> and they were like we couldn't even find all of them there's like a whole three-year period oh that they couldn't even find his phones for uh he traveled with a private masseuse you that's not a thing that's nope. not a thing that's some Epstein shit. This is, dude. That's this, some this, hardcore Lolita Express this shit. This has some hardcore Epstein vibes, uh, including the fact that he he not only would travel with a masseuse, mm. then not only did he bring a private one, but he, every night he would be bringing in different women okay. to for quote unquote massages. How many? Okay, how many massages does motherfucker need? Like, obviously he's doing sex shit, but like. Oh my god, dude, that's not even a good excuse. No, it's a, and like that's I think a big thing that we're going to get to is like none of this was like hard to see. The man was like I am going to make one joke. What if there's one dude in the world who needs like 16 massages a day and everyone's like you're a sex creep and this one dude is like no, my but body. Like, Epstein's thing was massages too. I know. No, it's the literally the same thing. He would hire girls and bring them in. I mean, listen to Trunon for the full details, but yeah, he, that was his thing. He owned not one but two personal apartments in Bangkok. That's such a gross detail. Mm -hmm. One for him and one for another masseuse that he kept there. Okay, that's just what athletes do for their side chicks. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a thing. That's a thing everyone knows people do. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. I, just happening to have another apartment for a whole other person. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a little <laughs> sus. Uh, and... He spent over the course of like, I think it was three years, 254 days at that apartment that he then built his own ministry Okay, for. so he was obviously doing sex crimes and raping here. Yeah. I, this is pure conjecture. If you're going to Bangkok, that shit takes a different creepier turn. Yeah, well. Even, even creepier turn, I should say. All of this is covered in the report. The report yeah. also makes clear how many limitations it had. It did not go yeah. interview anyone in other countries where Bravi spent significant portions of his life. Like, months. They said that they didn't interview anyone outside of the States. Wow. Uh, the man spent months of his life. Anytime he had to, quote, unquote, write a book, he would go to another country. Sure. So, like, significant portions of his life were spent. Like, this is just the beginning of his crimes. And it is My very God. clear that this, you, when you say Epstein level, right. yes. Yes. This yeah. is Epstein level in terms of, like, the amount of abuse, the number of Oof. people abused. Uh, the report covers that he would, like use religious language to of like course. try to like uh encourage these women uh including like praying with women he was about to rape to Ugh. ask them to like thank god for this opportunity i mean this is like Ooh. real deep evil shit uh and then there are some of the issues with the report as we already mentioned 
there's a lot of places they didn't go. And like, Ugh. if you are the ministry that has been responsible for allowing this man to continue his nonstop predatory tour of the world for years, then like, maybe you spring for some trips to those things to get that yeah. full story. Maybe those victims deserve a chance to tell those story too. And like, listen, I understand they're like, hey, we wanted to get this information out. Sure. We wanted to, we had enough information to make clear that these were an issue, blah, blah, blah. But like, that doesn't mean that you have to stop investigating. That doesn't mean that you have to stop giving people a chance to make their voice heard. Like the full scope of this man's evil and pain that he caused mm. will never be known. Yeah. And by the way, his family's going to keep millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and they knew this and they let the, they were, they were obviously victims in their own way, but they're going to keep his money and these victims won't. Uh, there was also some issues uh, about like some of the way the things were phrased, like a moment where they said a woman who described her experience as rape. That's, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just. Excuse me, it, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what you call that? You call that rape. Yeah. You can just say he raped her. Yeah. Whoever wrote that sentence is about to have an experience of me pun of, that they're going to describe as me punching them. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then the report sort of dances around what people knew and how much. Mm, it does course. describe, and this is, this is, I think, where we're going to start to transition into, like, how this was handled. Mm -hmm. It does describe that, like, people in the organization would bring up uh, concerns, including a hilarious sentence. Several staff reported that they were concerned about Mr. Zacharias traveling with a personal masseuse, not because they feared actual impropriety, but because they feared the appearance Shut of the impropriety. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> A high-level staff member expressed concerns to Mr. Zacharias about it and encouraged him to stop traveling with her. In response, Mr. Zacharias grew angry and barely spoke to his staff member for a long period of time. He was effectively sent to Siberia, as another staff member recalled. Their relationship never recovered. Wow, I'm really worried about that relationship, y'all. <laughs> yeah, well, and I guess the, I'm making two points here. One, right. like, oh, God, that if, if you – what you're – what you're concerned about in this situation is the appearance of impropriety mm. because it's just so impossible that there would be any actual impropriety. That's fucking, that's a problem <sighs> that speaks to a problem. Uh, Nobody travels with the masseuse. That's not a normal thing. That's not a thing. You are obviously a sex creep. I'm yeah. sorry. Shut the fuck up. You're just doing sex creep shit. Yeah, in between juggling your 18 phones full of, like, <laughs> women that you're soliciting for nudes. And uh, the multiple massage parlors that you own. Yeah, under the guise of spiritual mentorship, no less. Uh, I'm fucking furious. Okay. <laughs> it's it's just a lie. Like, it's just, like, it's not even a good lie. Again, the lie's the point. One more detail about Mr. Zacharias, and then we'll get to some of the responses. Mr. Zacharias kept translations of certain words and phrases in Thai and Mandarin on his phone. These phrases included things such as, I miss you so much, I want to see your face. Little bit further, the Mandarin phrases, softer, lighter, you are beautiful, not enough, I hope our love lasts forever, I love you from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to have a beautiful memory with you, life is so wonderful because I could meet you, your lips are especially Ooh, beautiful, no. and I love you, darling. Well, that was triggering for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, jeez. We're talking about a man that has grooming phases, phrases saved in different languages on his fucking phone. Which is why it's a little, it's a little sus. Just a wee bit suspicious that one of the things that is on page one of this fucking report mm -hmm. is that they say, We did not find evidence that anyone within Ravi Zacharias Ministries or on its board knew that Mr. Zacharias had engaged in sexual misconduct. Well, here's what it is. Here's why it's fucking relevant that I actually mentioned you can't slander the dead. Because all these people 
all the folks that ha- are part of this multi-million dollar, essentially human trafficking organization, yes, are able to just walk away scot-free with all the money they knew. It, but this report was commissioned by them, and there's a mm-hmm. reason why it exonerates them. There's a reason why it always works out this way. There's a reason why these reports are commissioned from everybody, from Epstein collaborators to these people. They're always the same. Independent inv- investigations mm-hmm. we have seen repeatedly are used at a very specific point. They are yes. used at the point where the crime, the sex abuse, whatever it is, is so undeniable. Right. When you give Epstein $150 million, <laughs> yeah. that's when, you, when they when show you up. At the point, when you were at the point where the thing has exploded, right. an independent investigation is damage mm. control. It is an opportunity for the collaborators to circle a little containment yes. field around this individual. They've spent years protecting up to yes. this point but now that he now that this shit is out now that it's undeniable mm. the point is to say like yeah fucking crazy how he fooled all of us it's fuck you it's so crazy I, I this will be the last time i bring it up yeah it is just jeffrey epstein it's not even different no it's exactly the same it's like all future conspirators will be indemnified that's all this is saying it is, it is exactly that <laughs> level of like wide-ranging and yeah. and the amount of protection that goes into a sentence like that mm. is undeniable because it gives these motherfuckers a chance to be like yeah no it's really really tragic really tough as we said these allegations have existed since 2017 yeah when that allegation first came out in 2017 the board declined to investigate yep and they were basically like, well, he told us that the, it was a lie. The board of his family, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As we covered in our his original episode, chumps. which we, we should say you can go back and listen to. And I understand it was probably no great shakes to be part of Robbie's family, but also fuck all of you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm fuck sorry. all of you so hard. Uh, so you can go back to episode 42 where we cover a lot of the like board and money shenanigans. All of the, uh, all of the shit that you know mm-hmm. is happening in yes. an institution like this is happening. I should also mention that in that segment, we used some Julie Roy's uh, content, some interviews she did. Julie Roy's, as it turns out, massive transphobe. Fuck Julie Roy's. Uh, there are other places to go for that information. Yes. So just, just wanted to put that out there. We didn't know that at the time. Now we know. Yeah. Not going to use her again. Uh Listen, I wish that every fucking transphobe asshole conservative Christian was also doing investigative reporting into sex abuse within a denomination, but there's no excuse for transphobe. No. Fuck off. Anyways, so that is the real point of this, right? Yes. Like, the real point of this is to to cover up uh, collaborators. That's why it's on page one, baby. That's right. Uh, and they will happily, at this point, throw him under the bus for all of these terrible deeds. He's literally dead. Yeah, because there he are no consequences. Literally dead. To it. You can say you can say anything you want about him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he was a cannibal. He just I get to say that now. It's fun. Congratulations. Yeah. Let's get to some of the evangelical responses. I'm sure they're going to be great. God damn. <laughs> um, because it, it hits uh, some of the same notes we see in all of these situations in some ways that I think really betray how little evangelicalism writ large mm. understands its own issue yeah so michael youssef a pastor and author pretty famous dude says we need more accountability we're not above this you can't trust yourself we need accountability such measures are necessary i feel like i can trust myself to not traffic hundreds of women over decades but like hey you go off king (laughs) yeah this is this is your brain on calvinism that you like you have to believe that you are capable (laughs) of becoming a multi-decade long sex trafficker at any given moment because that's just how fucked up you are, man. Like, <laughs> fuck off, dude. You dick. 
Uh, he goes, we can never get to the point where we say, I trust my own judgment because you cannot. Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all. So what do you do? You build a wall around those areas that are going to cause your downfall. And what I have to, like, I, that misses the point so fucking hard. What he is describing he's, is a man that, like. He might like, as well be describing the service of the mood. He's just yeah. talking about something else. He's talking, he's talking about a dude on a business trip that has an extra drink in the hotel bar and right. feels up Stacy from HR in the elevator and then feels bad about I'm it. I'm right like, here. Stop talking about that's me. That's the level of, like, the shit we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Like, no, honestly. Like, oh, oh, we just need to have more, like, safeguards and boundaries. This man built an empire of rape and predation. That's it. That's all he did. I don't he didn't do anything else. He built a kingdom of sex abuse under the name of the kingdom of God. And you're telling me that what this man needed was a little more accountability? Are you fucking kidding me? What this man needed was well, no. What this man needed was what happened to him. Some fucking death. He needed yeah. to fucking what, die. What this man needed is what happened. It just happened way too fucking late. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Lee Strobel author of The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Yep. Um, Strobel had interviewed Robbie for uh, one of his books. He said, oh, I'm pulling it. We're going to take it out. Uh, Strobel then went on to say something. So, like, good. He pulled his book great. Sure, whatever. Fucking, fucking fine. Who cares? Whatever. Uh, Strobel went on to clarify that because Robbie never showed repentance, he doesn't want the late apologist's hypocrisy to be a stumbling block to spiritual seekers considering the evidence for Christ. Okay, dude, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I know. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know. But, like, are you kidding me, man? Like, if, if the first thing out your mouth when you discover that one of your close friends and collaborators <laughs> has been doing this shit for decades is, like, man, I really hope this doesn't reflect badly on us. You know, I'm just, I'm worried about his hypocrisy. Michael, <laughs> here's the thing I worry. You know, the thing about Jeffrey Epstein is that like, like, I'm worried that he may have dodged some taxes. <laughs> it's like, dude, dude there's this probably should, hundreds of this women. This should be a stumbling block for anyone with half a brain. Oh and God. until you're willing to own that, you don't get to say like, oh, well, you know, you know, lots of, lots of people do bad things, but like this Jesus guy is a different thing. I agree. I agree. Sure. Jesus is different. Yeah. You don't get to fucking say that because if you cared about this shit, you could have brought it up years ago. I, I would, you know, I'd really like, I'd like Lee Strobel to prove how sincere he is by joining Ravi in his fate. Um, <laughs> Tim Keller, John Piper, and Don Carson had a little round table. Oh, God. Please, a little please. round table for the Gospel guys, Coalition. Guys, and please I, shut I'm the fuck up. <laughs> I'm specifically pulling what are often considered the more reasonable voices in evangelical yeah, Christianity. for specific like, reasons. People that listen to this podcast probably know that John Piper and Tim Keller fucking suck. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they re they represent, I mean, there was national news coverage when Piper yeah. came out being like, I'm not going to vote for this Trump guy. And everyone's like, oh, it's so amazing. He's not going to vote right. for the Trump guy. Like, that's that's the caliber of people that I'm, I've targeted yeah. for this Lincoln segment. Project-ass motherfuckers. Yeah, but like, buttoned up, not... Yeah branded as reaction no totally and I, I wanted to choose the quote-unquote more reasonable voices yeah. so we can get at how like these people that are not the franklin grams or mm -hmm. or the you know jerry falwell genius that are not the reactionary political asshats like they are still missing the whole ass fucking That's right so uh this was three old white men talking so i cannot tell you who said what just assume that they all said all of this here's the thing it doesn't matter it doesn't it's a matter. three it's a kind of a king deidre situation <laughs> it's, it's a chimera <laughs> no it's like fighting they're fighting the godzilla mm -hmm. of of trying to avoid talking actually about like the victims the actual fucking issues yeah don't this is this is this is one of their instructions to to people that are struggling with this 
Don't start to get disillusioned about leadership or institutions or the church. Oh, that's the lesson. Get disillusioned, Zachary. Are you ready for this? Hype yourself up and get disillusioned about human nature. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and Zach, I don't know if you know this. This is part of the quote. You're a human being, Oh, my too. God. <laughs> Stop telling me that I'm going to become an international sex trafficker. That's not going to happen. I'm that s- doesn't happen to anybody except the, like, t- the thousand most powerful people in the world. It is such a fucking insane take. Shut the fuck that, like, Shut You the fuck are up. as evil as the man who has spent years doing all the shit we just talked about. Like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. And also, don't be disillusioned with this. The system is what enabled him to do this. You should be disillusioned with the system. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That would be like looking at like the Third Reich and being like, hey, don't let this Hitler guy disillusion you. This is, don't be disillusioned the with the system. You could be Hitler too. That would be like, what the fuck, man? No, it is, it is a truly insane take that absolutely like points out all the things that we should be examining right now. Mm. And this is, right. no, 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 no. None of that matters. This was just one dude who did a did a whoopsie. Uh, God. And, and we're all just as bad as him. And that sort of flattening of the ways in which these institutions that he doesn't want to talk yes. about, the church that he doesn't yeah. want to talk about, uh, the leadership that he doesn't want to talk about, all there's so much shit there to be examined and, and delved into and to understand how something this evil could even happen. This only happens, it happens with Epstein, it happens with Robbie for yes. the same reasons. It's systems of extreme hierarchy. Exactly. You can only do this much harm when you have power, influence, money, collaborators, yeah. people that will cover for you, people that believe when, in you. When your worth is worth that of several hundred people. Yeah, millions of dollars to fuck around and hurt people with. That's right. Like that's the only way this happens. Actually, dear listener, you ca- are not capable of as much no. evil as Ravi Zachariah. No. You never will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get to sleep. One of the other guys says, it's a great time to help church understand the role of church discipline. I'm going to become the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to be- become the first reform guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is. That guy had some good ideas. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is an insane take for anyone that has ever experienced or been around a church that is engaged in church discipline right because if we covered on this program we've seen church discipline applied to uh like people like the woman at matt chandler's church who tried to divorce her pedophile missionary husband and was censured by the church for it Mm -hmm. um it is often regularly used against women and people uh not in power within a church structure church discipline by and large, only comes out of a disgusting, toxic uh, understanding of what church membership is. Yep. And and so, like, the idea that what we need is just to get real with some church discipline. And, and, and here's exactly what would happen. This is not. This is not. This is not worst case scenario. Here's literally what happened. If you were a woman in Ravi Zacharias's ministry and you one time made out with Josh, Josh is just a dude. Mm-hmm. You guys make out, and you're you're married, mm-hmm. and you apologize about it. You would get fired kicked out of church at probably That's oh what yeah would or, or like southeastern baptist theological right. seminary that kicked a woman out for confessing kicked a woman out for disclosing her rape That's because right. she engaged according to them in sexual uh right sin that happens but if you are the at the top of this food chain and you could disclose hundreds of women mm-hmm. that you have abused that you have assaulted and you know maybe more knowing right knowing ravi uh, all you'd have to say is, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and you would be forgiven in all, and nothing would be taken from you. 
the reason why church discipline, I agree with that. The reason why church discipline is a terrible solution is because despite what they might say, who ends up doing the discipline? Right. And it never involves like actual justice. It never involves no. the authorities. It never involves exactly. anybody losing anything. Who ends up doing the actual discipline? The people that we, we need to be addressing. It's the pastors, the people right. in charge. That's those right. are the people that need the accountability, uh, that, that need to be dealt with. Yep. But somehow that's not how church discipline In this works. particular case, the inmates are running the prison. Sure. Um, next quote. Piper. The hope factor. Piper is here. He's concerned for people that are feeling a little hopeless about mm -hmm. the state of the evangelical world, okay. about the church. And he says, listen, this, this moment, this calamity, this corruption that, that we are seeing, like, it's really bad. But God works in these moments. And he specifically mentions, like, Joseph being brought as a slave to uh, help the Pharaoh deal with the be warned of the famine. He's like, you know. Joseph didn't see that as being called by God in the moment. He was a slave, but God was working in these terrible things to bring about his plan. And then he says, God is spanking you. Not the, fr I'm sorry. It's a little funny. It's, it's a, no, it no, is, I'm it sorry. Is. It's, it's funny. It's funny because it's, it's so fucking clueless. You it's grim, idiot. but it's so, come on. It's so funny. And he mentions <laughs> what a moment. What the fuck is your problem, A moment man? I didn't have time to look up, but he mentions that somebody in his church uh, got had to get kicked out due to moral failings. Mm -hmm. Sure, we'll investigate that yeah. more later. He goes, we lost 230 members over the moral failings of one of our staff. We didn't grow for four years. And you know what? We had to learn to accept God's hand of discipline. In John Piper's world... I'm go By the way, I, I actually realize that I'm going to scratch all that. I'm going to become God's hand of discipline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and let me we tell you, the Lord's hand is well-armed, son. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is our future. We, are, we end up being the boondock saints of the evangelical world. And we, we ascend. And shepherds we shall be. And we ascend to heaven fucking immediately. We never taste death. <laughs> uh, We're the only people to earn our way into fucking heaven. chariots, baby. Um... In John Piper's mind, God's discipline is four years of his church not growing. And that his, his encouragement in this mm. moment is for people in the church to just accept that it's going to be tough for a little while. And this is three of the biggest names in Christian yeah. evangelicalism talking about one of their own, mm -hmm. doing this in front of their faces for yeah. years. And what do they have to say? This. You know what they didn't have anything to say about? victims not not a word one didn't fucking come up you know what they didn't have to say because Here are practical when the victims when the victims are objects oh yeah this is what they're doing um there's a whole other conversation to be had about how our toxic theology informs all of this terribleness and that like yeah. it's not a matter of a person who was saying good things doing bad ones but in fact an entire culture that says and preaches and believes bad things who then goes on to do bad things that's right um, <laughs> yeah weird <laughs> Yeah, you can't have this conversation actually without also talking about purity culture, with also talking about the culture around divorce, all sorts of other things. But for John Piper to say that, like, you know, speak to this moment, and what he has to say is not like we should have believed them, not that we as pinnacles of evangelical culture had a responsibility to to listen, mm -hmm. to hear mm -hmm. when these allegations were presented years ago, uh, to speak, to demand. I mean, Russell Moore, who had one of the best uh, responses to it uh, and was genuinely, I think, very upset about it. But he's, he describes a situation where he took Zach Zacharias off a like 
uh, conference they were doing because these allegations had come out and he wasn't impressed by Zacharias's answers. So he, he heard and he saw and he goes, mm, and he, I guess Zacharias got big mad and like, mm-hmm. and he's describing this moment. He's like, no, I, you seem a little sus, man. But you know what Wrestlemore didn't then do? Publicly call for those investigations. Yeah. Publicly call for Lori and other yeah. people that made these calls to be believed. He did not lift up victims' voices. No. He just sort of quietly removed himself from the situation. I, th- I think that's kind of where I want to leave it for me. Is just that yeah. like I think what's amazing to me is the complete absence of caring at all about any of the victims or what they have to say or what they... I, we don't even have to say ledge anymore. What they said. No, you know, what, they, what happened. What happened. And... That that is at no point relevant. That Ravi remains the subject, the object of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and any victim is is just a consequence of his sin and nothing more. And, and I'm fucking tired of it. In the same way that that report mm-hmm. wanted to keep all of the issues around Ravi and ignore all the culpability of the people in that ministry, all of these men's responses want to make it about one man's sin. And how we, as other individuals, and you know, let's be honest, as other men, yeah. need to be careful about our own sin. But that's as far as their scope can deal. That actually might be my thought. It's funny to me. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're like, hey, this could happen to you. Actually, motherfucker, this will never happen to me. This could never happen to me. You know who it could happen to? John Piper. It could happen to fucking you. It could happen to you, Lee Strobel. It could happen to all you motherfuckers. And that's why you think about him. Because you put yourselves in his shoes, not mm-hmm. their shoes. You never. you're the potential abuser. That's right. We're going to go out on Rachel Den Hollander's words. Uh, Rachel was one of Larry Nasser's victims yes. uh, who not only like... We've talked about Rachel a lot. She's but, great. Uh, who then went on to work for years to gather information mm-hmm. against him and was instrumental in his eventual conviction. Rachel uh, is a Christian and she had this to say. Um, this is just pulling segments from a long yeah. tweet thread you can look up. It's all worth reading. Uh, she's speaking to the leaders that are coming out now in this moment mm-hmm. to say, oh, it was so bad. You've written about how good and right these steps are, but not until they were already taken, not until the facade was removed. You did not lift your voice to cry for the truth you now applaud. That fell on the shoulders of the victims, the women. You applauded the independent investigation, but never pressed for it when it needed to be done. When your voice was desperately needed in 2017 and all the years that followed, you were silent. You left the victims alone. Your silence, a deafening testament that you did not care. You praise accountability, but as far as I can see, have never once demanded it of any of the people you labor alongside. Mm. Not SGC, not Robbie, not Paige Patterson or Jerry Vines or any other leader accused of abuse or enabling. That's right. That work was done by the victims and the costs borne by them and by the advocates who you refused to heed for four years or who you outright maligned. But now you wish to speak and offer wisdom and counsel and support as if these were the steps you knew all along were needed. And yes, leaders, there was much publicly pleading for your voice, not just here, but in many places where you enjoyed the benefits of co-laboring while wanting none of the responsibilities. You took less than 24 hours to raise your voice, but you are years too late. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.